Welcome to Portfolio Pitch, the show where we get to know the investor behind the investment and what it takes to be successful in raising capital from institutional investors. I'm Samantha Camp, and on today's episode, we sit down with Natty Zola, founding partner at Matchstick Ventures. Natty grew up in Boulder, Colorado, and attended the University of Maryland, where he ran track and studied finance. Before diving into the finance world, Natty and his childhood best friend built a company that was sold to AOL, and Natty, now bit by the entrepreneurship bug, began his career as managing director at Boulder Tech Stars. On today's episode, Natty and Emily discuss Natty's journey from entrepreneur to investor, Matchstick Ventures' first call capital approach, why pivoting is encouraged, and Natty's personal philosophy for living a good life. Hi, Natty. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to kind of dive in and get to know you and Matchstick a little bit better. Thanks. Yeah, so I have a note here that you're originally from Boulder. Is that true? That is true. Yeah, born and raised. Awesome. So I'm curious, how did you end up? It looks like you went to the University of Maryland. Is that right? Correct. So how did you end up in Maryland? Why not Boulder? (laughs) Yeah, well, I I do love the buffs, but I wanted to get a different experience. I grew up near the university and my, my parents went there. So I just felt like I was close to it and wanted a new experience. And then when I was looking, most of my family's from the Midwest or West Coast. So I wanted to go learn about the East Coast. And frankly, Maryland had a great engineering program and a bad track team. And that was the, the what I was looking for in college. I did want to run track and cross country in college. And I walked on to the team there and I, I wanted to do engineering and, and they had a great engineering program. So um, I visited there with my parents when looking at universities and it kind of like captured my heart. And so I ended up there. That's so neat. I would be remiss if I did not also mention that I ran cross country and track in college as well. Right. Long Where'd distance. Um, a small D2 school called Edinburgh. It's up in Pennsylvania. So I ran the 10K on the track. I never ran anything under an 800. I don't have any fast twitch muscle. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> how it goes sometimes. <laughs> so, okay. So finance and engineering was your focus then. So when you entered into college, what were you looking to do afterwards? What was kind of the job you were hoping you'd find yourself in? I actually went into college thinking I was going to be an engineer or a meteorologist or an architect. And it turned out that all of the track and cross country practices were during a lot of the core classwork for those majors. And so I was sort of experimenting around trying a lot of things. And I took an econ class and got really fascinated with how money moved and how society um, worked from an economic perspective. And, and I just started taking more e- more and more econ classes. And then that led me into um, a finance major just because I was really fascinated by it. And I did not end up finishing with architecture, meteorology, or an engineering degree, but I I took some classes in those areas and I still am really interested in them, but just wasn't where my career ended up. I'm just following genuine curiosity and what classes I could take around the track schedule. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And so then what was your first job out of college then? Was it in the finance world? Yeah, I got a role at GE Capital when that used to exist in their financial management program. And this was a, or still is, a six-month rotational program where you work in four different GE businesses over two years. And you come in and you basically help the CFO of that business run the business. Okay. Great learning experience. They also taught a lot of classes. So it's kind of like an on-the-job MBA. 
And GE at the time was known for developing great financial talent and financial managers. And so it was a really good opportunity for me to learn from one of the best organizations in the world at that time. And this was pre-recession of 2008. So it was a fascinating time to be at GE. And then a lot has changed at GE since I left. That's really cool. You got to kind of see the ins and out and kind of boots on the ground type experience, which you, you know, you really don't get in a college environment. Yeah, it was great. It was super hands-on. I got to work in four really different GE businesses and learn directly from the leaders. And we had access to a lot of the senior talent there who taught these um, on-the-job courses and classes as well. So it was it was an incredible two and a half years. That's awesome. So then it also looks like you worked for an author for a bit. Is that right? Yeah, I worked with uh, Boulder's own Jim Collins, who's the author of Good to Great. That's his most notable book. Um, in, a, in a stroke of luck, I've had many strokes of luck in my life. My high school cross-country coach um, is his wife. And when I was, everyone in my family is a teacher or a social worker. So when I finally went down this business track in college, I was asking my parents if we knew anyone that I could get a business internship with over the summer. And we realized we didn't really know anyone in business, but I remembered that my high school cross country coach, her husband did something in business. So I emailed her and said, uh, what does your husband do? Is he in business? And, you know, much to my chagrin, I learned that he's this famous author, incredible person. And he actually takes on interns. So I got an internship with him starting my sophomore year of college and got to work with him for three years and helped contribute on two books that he wrote. And it was just a fantastic experience. And a lot of my work today is really influenced by that time with him because his main question with his books is what, what is, how does a great company tick? Like what makes a great company a great company? And actually it's really a book about entrepreneurship because you have to start small and build these sort of patterns that make you an amazing company, enduring company. And that curiosity around exploring that question with him still is really important question for me. And I just like to apply it to the very early stages um, with my current role is like, how do you make a great company from scratch mm-hmm. and or from the earliest moments? And I get to do that in my current role. So it's fun that that thread has, has held through my whole career. That's kind of, yeah, full circle moment in a way. And then it looks like you also applied that to your own experience as a co-founder. So some entrepreneurial experience there with a company called Everlater. What was that? Yeah. So I, uh, after working at GE, I went on a round the world trip with my childhood best friend. For the first time in our lives, we had saved up some money and we wanted to go see the world. So we traveled. And on that trip, the recession of 2008 happened. So the private equity finance jobs I thought I was going back to on the East Coast disappeared. And I was on a sailboat between Colombia and Panama with my childhood best friend. And we realized, you know what, that path really wasn't our true calling anyways. We were doing that soul searching that maybe you do in your early 20s. And we realized that we wanted to be entrepreneurial. We liked building things. We wanted to add value to society. And while traveling, one of the challenges we had was how do you record and share your travel experience with your friends and family, especially in the early social media days where a lot of that content would just disappear down your Facebook feed, or you had these disconnected photos on Flickr, but you're sending a mass email. And we just knew all these travelers. And we thought, let's build one central place where travelers can record and share their travel experiences and share them with their friends. And so we decided to move back to Boulder, not because there was this great entrepreneurial ecosystem um, in Colorado, but because we could live in our parents' basement, teach ourselves how to code and build the company. So another stroke of really good luck in our life is, yeah, sort of showing up in this great entrepreneurial community in Colorado in 2008 and just really hustling and meeting a lot of people and, and starting this company. 
And um, yeah, so co-founded that company and then took it through a lot of ups and downs, went through Techstars, which was really transformational for us. Met, met most of my professional network, um, especially here in Colorado through that experience, and then took that through an exit to AOL in 2012. So um, got the whole entrepreneurial journey, mm -hmm. the full roller coaster experience um, running ever later. And I'm super grateful that I got to do that. That is so neat. You mentioned teaching yourself to code like it's nothing, which would actually be, that sounds really hard. <laughs> You know, when you have something you're passionate about and you just have to create it, you just you, buckle you down, figure it out. Yeah, you yeah. figure it out. And I will say some of those days of just, yes, they were frustrating and hard, but some of those days were some of our best days when we would just work all day on a problem and solve it. And, and I love coding. Unfortunately, I don't get to do it much anymore, but I still have a, a part of my heart that that likes to code. And sometimes I wish maybe that's what I should have majored in in college because I really enjoyed it so much. Yeah. So then you, you exited the company and then what, what happened next for you? Yeah, so we sold the company to AOL and they merged our software into MapQuest under the premise that MapQuest at that time was trying to evolve from just a utility maps and directions product into more of a full featured travel suite. And we had this amazing travel content from people blogging and uploading photos and stories and reviews from their travels. And MapQuest had these this huge user base. And so we started marrying those together. And I was lucky to run um, uh, product consumer products at MapQuest. Uh, with my co-founder Nate and uh, really help evolve the MapQuest vision to be much more than maps and directions. We built a great team there. Um, really proud of the work that we did uh, at AOL. Um, and I actually planned on staying there much longer, but I got a call from Techstars asking if I wanted to apply to be the new managing director for the Techstars Boulder Accelerator, which I had gone through as a founder. And I was flattered to be encouraged to apply and ultimately got that job. And I realized that, wow, this was a dream job for me because I always loved working with early stage startups. I had sort of moved away from that while I was at AOL and at MapQuest, but I got to go back to supporting early stage entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs, which I loved. And I also had this in the back of my mind, an idea that, oh, maybe I'd like to be an investor one day. I had great investors in Everlater. I had amazing uh, mentors. Um, especially the folks at Foundry Group and across the Boulder ecosystem. And I always thought, you know, maybe that's actually a role I could do. I had this finance background. I had been an entrepreneur and I was doing a little bit of angel investing at the time. And I thought, wow, this is a chance to really see, could I be a good investor? And, uh, and so I, I was lucky to get the job and I ran Techstars Boulder for six years after that and really found a passion for being more of a coach and supporter to entrepreneurs than being a player in the game myself. Um, although starting a fund is very entrepreneurial, but I've really found a love and passion for working with entrepreneurs and bringing those experiences I had and the network that I built at Techstar, experiences as an entrepreneur and the network I built at Techstars to other entrepreneurs to help them achieve their dreams and their vision. And um, yeah, so I, I was at Techstars for six years and then um, I also raised a fund on the side because I was helping all these entrepreneurs and they said, hey, Natty, this is great. You have these amazing connections and ideas and frameworks. And it would be also great if you could write a big check because mm -hmm. a big part of early stage entrepreneurship is getting the capital you need to get something off the ground. And so I teamed up with another managing director at Techstars um, out of Minnesota and raised Matchstick Ventures, which enabled us to provide uh, capital to companies as well. And then um, I'm now doing that full time and left Techstars about a year ago. That's so neat. I love that you were kind of listening to what they were saying and saw where you could help them in kind of that next phase, right? 
which is really unique. So really, what's the investment thesis you have at Matchstick? Yeah, so we we want to back entrepreneurs at the pre-seed and seed stage. So that could be anything from idea to call it um, one to two million in revenue uh, that have a geographic connection to the Rockies or North regions of the U.S. We're very passionate about these regions. I hope you can tell I've done a lot in Colorado. I love Colorado. I love the surrounding area. I'm a mountain guy at heart, born here, raised here. I want to see this be an incredible place to start a company. So I want to back. I have just a lot of affinity for backing companies in our own backyard. And my partner, Ryan, feels the same way. Excuse me. He's out of Minnesota. So he invests across the north. So I cover the Rockies. He covers the north. Pre-seed and seed seed stage companies. And then um, software companies, because that's just what we know best. And we believe that these are huge untapped opportunities to support entrepreneurs in these markets at this stage. There still is a huge lack of capital. There still is incredible entrepreneurship happening here. And that's what we see as our opportunity. And um, we are seeing more and more capital flow into these ecosystems from the coast, which is amazing. We love inviting coastal investors here and, and we need them. And we want to create more and more local opportunities to invest as well. So yeah, we we try to focus on what we call these underserved but rapidly growing geographies at the earliest stages when entrepreneurs need the capital the most to get their business or idea off the ground. That's so neat. And then how would you say Matchstick helps companies beyond just capital? Yeah, actually today um, we're thrilled to announce we just hired a head of network, which is a big piece of that. But one thing that's great is that uh, we built a huge network. And so we think of ourselves sort of as a network focused VC fund where Ryan and I and our team, we don't have all the answers. Uh, we have had our own entrepreneurial journey and we've worked with a lot of companies and we can we can share a lot of experiences and stories to help entrepreneurs avoid common mistakes or unlock different ideas through different frameworks. But largely what we've built is this powerful network of amazing leaders locally and nationally who are there to help companies. So what happens is when we work with a company, we we tend to, first of all, we're pretty hands-on and we really try to get to know the business so we can help. And whenever an entrepreneur needs help, we kind of have this mental checklist for us. The first thing is, do we have personal experience with that problem or question that they're bringing to us? If so, we'll share that story or that experience so they can learn from us firsthand. That's a small, we don't get to answer many questions that way just because we're just two people and we've had our great entrepreneurial journeys, but we haven't experienced everything. The second thing we do is we figure out who in our network is an expert at this? Who is someone who's best in the world? And we try to make that connection for that entrepreneur so that they're talking to someone who has hired 50 VPs of sales. Like I have not hired a VP of sales before, so I'm not the right person to advise you on that. I'm going to connect you with someone who's amazing at it. And that's what we really look for. And we just hired someone to really like turbocharge that part of the fund. And then the third thing we think about is we can also whiteboard or brainstorm with you on any problem, but we always make sure to clarify that when we are in that mode, we are not bringing direct expertise to this. Yes, we have a lot of experiences that are influencing our thinking and we'll share that, but we're just sort of brainstorming as well. So I would say like, that's how, how we think about things, but we're really there as the trusted confidant, you know, extra resource for the leadership team, the co-founders of the startup. We think of ourselves as working more for them than they work for us, which is not a common mindset in, in uh, early mm-hmm. stage VC. So really it's like our job is to put more wind into the sails of the entrepreneurs and then be there when it's when it's tough for them. So a big part of our job is building a trusted, authentic relationship with entrepreneurs. So when things aren't going well, they have someone that they can call and they know they can trust us to just 
maybe be a shoulder, maybe be an ear, maybe be a thought partner, maybe be a problem solver, but really someone that they can deeply trust. And I think that's a unique kind of relationship that we can build or have proven to build with entrepreneurs that is unusual in venture in the relationship between VCs and founders. Mm -hmm. And as you know, having been a founder yourself, and as I know, just having done a lot of these, it's not always sunny, is it? (laughs) Unfortunately, no. (laughs) Well, we always like to say, like, we want to be first call capital. And by that, we mean when when you want to celebrate because something went well, like we want to be there and celebrate with you. And we actually like encourage celebration because it's hard to build a startup. So when things go well, like let's have some fun, let's celebrate, let's, you know, reward ourselves for the hard work. And when things aren't going well, like let's just talk about it. Let's problem solve together. Like this is every single company we work with has something terrible going on at any moment in, in their company journey. It's not unique to you. Like we're here to be sort of your stable, steady, you know, people who can really empathize with you because we've been there and provide the resources to help you through whatever that difficult moment is because you're right, it's a lot of ups and downs. And um, we think that you want a capital partner who's been there, who's been in your shoes, so that when those times come, they they see you, they get you, they can be supportive in a way that some investors can't if they haven't felt that, that, that experience before. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So kind of circling back to the founders then, is there a particular culture you look for in companies that you invest in? We don't have a strict rule for this, but we do love what we call learning organizations. So these are companies where they really focus on, it's less about any given insight, but are they building a framework or a flywheel internally that they they can learn as fast as possible? And there's two big areas of learning. One is the personal and professional growth of the leadership team. So we're very excited to back founders who are just hungry to grow personally. Um, We believe that any CEO or leader, CTO, whatever it is, can scale with a company from idea to IPO if they have a growth mindset and are willing to to grow and curious about growing. And so those are the types of entrepreneurs we want to back. And then on the second side, they're a learning organization inside the company. So they're always experimenting, they're testing, they're using data to inform their decisions, and they move really fast through these iterative cycles of learning to figure out where is their product market fit, Where's the right channel to target their customers? What do their customers even want? And so we help companies build, become learning organizations, both at the leadership and personal side of things and at the, you know, how the company actually gets work done. And those types of companies and entrepreneurs really appeal to us because I think we're curious that same way. Like we feel like we're always growing as people and leaders and we're always trying to grow our business. And so there's a lot of resonance there when we meet entrepreneurs who have that type of culture. And I would say like the last piece is we're really looking for entrepreneurs who have um, an earned insight or real founder market fit on what they're doing, because it's just too hard to solve a problem that you're not that passionate about. And so we really resonate with entrepreneurs who have some sort of like deep personal connection to the problem or customer that they're serving. Mm -hmm. So this may be a hard question just based on that answer, but when you when you look at startups, I'm sure you guys get approached quite a bit. What would you say you place more value on the founding team? So the founders or the business plan? I mean, 100 percent the founders and and team like we've made investments in companies where we frankly didn't even like the business plan or idea. In fact, like I I wonder what percentage I should probably go look back. Like I bet a, a relatively like surprisingly significant percentage. I mean, I'm not talking like 75%, but quite a few of the companies that we've backed, we backed in spite of the idea that they have because we just believe in the team. I do think that, so one one of the heuristics that we have internally, and we learned this from Techstars, which is 
we look at six things in rank order and it's team, 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 market, progress, idea. And it's sort of a funny, cheeky way of thinking about um, and, and reminding ourselves that the most important part of an early stage investment is who's the team and why are they special? Why are they the unique people put on this planet to solve this problem? What's their unique insights? What's, why are they the ones who are gonna push through those really difficult times to make something really big and meaningful? And so the, the first three of the six things are a team. And then there's the fourth one is market. And we do think that the market is important just because we want to invest in markets that we find particularly interesting or have some sort of um, dynamic that's changing that market right now so that there's an opportunity for something new or big to be created. And then progress is sort of a, a proxy for us around the ability of that team to get stuff done and, and the speed at which they're moving. And then the least important to us is the idea. So we try not to get obsessed with the idea at all. And I think looking at our data, I can only think of one company. So I've invested in almost, uh, I think maybe even over 110 companies in the last six years now through Techstars and the fund. And I can only think of one or two that are still doing what they set out to do initially. Mm -hmm. That means that it's like a 98% chance that you are not going to gonna pivot. <laughs> business that's going to be successful is not the initial idea that you start out with. And so we just try not to get too obsessed about the idea itself. Right. There's a lot of pivoting that occurs. <laughs> yep. Would you like to tell our listeners about any particular portfolio companies you guys have right now? Anything well, you're super excited about? What, yeah, we have a lot of companies that we're really excited about. Maybe I'll highlight uh, one in each of our geog core geographies. So one I'll highlight here locally in Denver is um, Suna. So Liz and Haley are the two co-founders of Suna. And we first met them through the Techstars Boulder Accelerator in 2019. And to be totally candid, and this is sort of embarrassing, I really did not understand or get what their business opportunity was. But maybe as a good example of our prior conversation, I sort of fell in love with the two founders. Like they know... They knew a market really well, which is around how businesses want to create content. They had a lot of experience in that space and had this novel idea around how businesses could create more content faster. And I, and I wasn't an area that I knew very well and didn't have a strong point of view on, but I met with them and just was totally sucked into their reality distortion field around the future they wanted to create. And it's really manifested itself. I've seen them work incredibly hard. They've had to pivot a bunch. Um, through COVID and really evolve their business. And now they're be quickly becoming a leader in content creation for e-commerce brands. And it's just been really amazing to see them, them do that. Uh, and then a company that I'd love to highlight out of the North region is a company called Inspectorio. And they're helping bring uh, transparency to the global supply chain industry. And they help uh, big brands understand the the whole supply chain for their business around compliance are the products what they expect they are was there any child labor in the process and it's just been really powerful to see them grow industry by industry throughout the whole global supply chain in a really wholehearted um, but also aggressive manner and build a really successful business um, just through super hard work so I'm, I'm just really proud of what they've done uh, coming out of the north region for us that's really neat. Those both sound super interesting. I love them both. I mean, I love all of our companies. You know, it's so hard. Yeah, I know it's hard a hard question. Favorites. I mean, those are two that are doing <laughs> yeah. you know particularly well. But we have we we don't you know we don't really rank our companies internally by how they're doing financially because mm -hmm. we just know you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of variability in it's startups. A sliding and, scale. 
Yeah. And some entrepreneurs work, you know, the entrepreneurs in our portfolio are all working super hard. Just, you know, sometimes it, the companies work and sometimes they don't. And, you know, we don't really like relate the quality of an entrepreneur to whether the company succeeds or not. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully we've, you know, when we back someone, we're, we're okay with that. We know that a large percentage of our companies will not succeed, but we still feel like it's the right decision to back this this team working on this problem because we love it so much. Right. Kind of piggybacking off of that, you mentioned luck earlier on. And how would you describe the impact of luck versus hard work in the companies that do succeed or fail? Mm -hmm. I think you just need a healthy dose of both. And this is something I learned from Jim Collins, and it's in a book that I helped him work on called Great by Choice, and it's something called Return on Luck. And so the concept is basically that when when Jim studied all of these companies and he was trying to understand why do some companies survive a relatively turbulent environment and some don't, the, the analysis came back that almost all companies have about the same number of good luck and bad luck events. It was much more how they handled those luck events, whether they were good or bad, and what those luck events did with did to them, um, based on their own actions, not what the, uh, the the sort of external actions or react or outcomes of that luck were. And so, I see that play itself out in our portfolio a lot. All of our companies have a good have a lot of good luck and have a lot of bad luck, but it's largely around you know how does the how do the founders how does the leadership team handle those good and bad luck. Um, events and what do they do with them? And so, I don't know, my belief is that there's a huge amount of luck in the startup world. I mean, um, you know, I can't always explain why a company does well or doesn't do well, because I know the entrepreneurs are working equally hard. And then I think hard work is just the table stakes to being successful in really like any profession is you just have to really care and work super hard on it. So I would say hard work is sort of the foundation and then just expect a lot of good and bad luck and how you how you handle those and what you do with each of the with good or bad luck will probably have a huge impact on if you're successful or not. Mm -hmm. There's like a phrase and I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's along the lines of like you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it, which I think is kind of exactly. like what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And if you want to go deeper on on return on luck, that book, I think the book Great by Choice it's probably one of the one of the less known Jim Collins books, but it's actually the best one for early stage startups. It has a lot more practical advice. And I I teach a lot of this stuff from that book to our entrepreneurs and they love it. So um, okay, I'm not, awesome. I, don't, I don't get any upside for you buying the book or whatever, but I just <laughs> I do think it's one of the best uh, startup books out there. I'm obviously biased, but I think I think it's really good. Yeah. Well, kind of speaking of teaching and lessons, is there a lesson that you've learned that you would tell your younger self or somebody looking to get started in venture? Let's see. I think that's the same lesson that I keep needing to tell myself now, which is, and this is much more of an early stage venture mindset is it's all about the people. So usually like you just want to back people that you are inspired by that you would maybe work like that you would be excited to work for that you just feel like have a powerful viewpoint on the future of the world. And so it really is all about people, both in terms of like who you invest in, who you get to work with. And frankly, life is too short to not work with people that you love and people that you respect. And so I would just say like, keep focusing on being around and surrounding yourself with amazing people, regardless of what industry you're in. Cause I think that that's the most important thing. And usually when I make a I don't know, a mistake. And, and usually it's a mistake around not investing in a company. It's because I just didn't like I, 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 I let the like 
physics of the business that they were doing cloud my judgment around how awesome and amazing those people are. So, um, and I also have sort of had in my whole life this mindset around like the first it's this is another Jim Collins mindset. And this is turning into like a Jim Collins fanboy podcast here a little <laughs> we'll bit. Tag him. <laughs> but, but he has um, this great concept around first who, which was in good to great. And it's really around the most important thing is getting the right people on the bus. And I do believe that that's a great just career advice, which is work with great people, follow great people. Even if you're not totally obsessed with what you're working on, like great people will make everything awesome. And one of the, the joys of my job as a VC, and I feel really lucky, is every day I spend time with people who are really passionate about what they're doing, whether that's a prospective company we're meeting that we might invest in. You know, I get to learn about what they want to do their life's work around and what they're super passionate about or the companies that we've backed. I get to help them pursue that uh, firsthand. So I just feel like I'm in a really lucky position because I get to work with inspired, exciting, motivated people every day. Mm-hmm. I guess this is maybe considered another piece of advice, but would you say it's hard for you not to maybe beat yourself up when you do pass on something that ultimately succeeds? Gosh, this is such a the psycho the psychology of being an investor has been actually really challenging for me because I have a lot of FOMO. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think just being someone who always wanted to be like cool or you know. I, mean, I don't know, be in the in crowd, like it's it's hard to miss some like you, you say no to an investment and it goes on to be successful. You just like you really regret it, not only because you didn't get to be a part of that journey, but also there's obviously upside that you missed. But I think there's a great saying in venture, which is you should you don't want to be upset that you weren't in a great investment. You want to be upset if you didn't get to see it in your um in your process. So mm-hmm. that's what we focus more on is less like we're not trying to be investors in every great company that comes out of the Rockies or North region. I mean, obviously we'd love to be, but we just know these markets are so much bigger than our little fund can handle. And there are gonna be amazing companies that we never invest in or make the mistake of not backing. Our goal is to at least try to see all of them and have made a decision. And then we'll just learn from our decision. And we support a lot of the entrepreneurs that we didn't back even though we're not investors, like I have recurring calls with quite a few founders that I just love what they're doing. And, and, you know, we made a mistake and we didn't back them, but that's okay. You know, hopefully we at least saw that investment. And one thing I'm very proud of and excited, I shouldn't take credit for, but I'm just excited for our ecosystem is I miss great investments all the time in, in Colorado because there's just so much going on. And that's the sign of a good growing ecosystem. If one person feels like they can see everything, we're too small. We're not big enough. We're not creating enough mm-hmm. um, meaningful and enduring opportunities. So, yeah, frankly, it's hard for me. I I, I beat myself up about it, um, and I have high expectations for myself. But it just is part of the part of the job. I feel like that could even go not to make this about me <laughs> in any way, but I I think you could almost tie that to that athletic competitive mindset. I mean, I know how I felt. You know, I don't like to lose. I definitely also have FOMO, and I think that driven sort of state of mind never leaves you, in my opinion. It's never left me. So it's kind of just always a part of you in a way. You're totally right. I mean, I want to win. Like, don't get me wrong. I want to win. I want to be the best investor ever. I mean, I I know that's not like realistic, but, you know, at the end of the day, I want to be a great investor. Mm -hmm. I want to do really well for the people who have trusted me with their capital. And that's that's really important to me. And so, yeah, I want to win and, and I want to work with entrepreneurs who want to win. And that's that's fun. But, you know, I don't have to win everything. Right. So um, I think I've finally like throughout my investing career gotten a little more confident knowing, OK, this is it's OK to miss on stuff. It's OK to pass on stuff that ends up being great. I want to find the entrepreneurs and the businesses that I'm super passionate about because these are five to 12 year relationships. So I want to find the ones that I'm just most excited about. 
and that's not a no offense to the companies we pass on you know there there's there's probably a better investor for that company anyways and i just have to be true to myself around what gets me really fired up and the people that i really want to work with and and trust that process mm-hmm. so what's next for for you and for matchstick what do you see in the next five to ten years how do you envision the fund yeah, I really want to just keep doing what we're doing. I mean, we're just so lucky to get to back entrepreneurs in these markets. We love these markets. They're growing really fast. There's more and more amazing people moving here. So really, the the, the future is a lot of the present for us is just doing what we're doing and trying to get better at it. Um, yeah, we. I mean, we'll, we'll probably just keep raise, raise another fund when the time comes and back more entrepreneurs and help them grow their company and make connections to the the people that are real material to the trajectory of their business and just keep doing what we're doing. Um, we, you know, who knows, maybe we get a little bit bigger, maybe we stay the same size. Like we're, we're just trying to be really, really good at the thing that we're doing and, and develop the craft of building enduring great companies off the coast, especially in these markets. And I think that that's not a, that's not a short-term goal. Like that's sort of one of those North stars that we'll never accomplish. Like we'll never fully figure out how to build great, you know, we'll never succeed at building all of the great companies um, in these markets, but we can keep trying to get better and better at it and supporting more and more entrepreneurs. I would say one area that we want to continue to grow in is is improving the diversity in in the ecosystem here and making sure that um, more sort of untraditional entrepreneurs are getting backed. And, And that's something that we're spending more and more time on figuring out how do we get to know those communities and work within those communities and make ourselves um, approachable for those communities because we feel like there's a lot of innovation happening outside of the traditional venture community and ecosystems, and uh, and that's that's an area of growth for us um, and that we're really passionate about. So maybe as a specific thing, we'd like to do more in that space. That's awesome. Also, congrats on Fund Three. Thank you. When did that close? We closed it. Well, we sort of closed it in July, but announced it in September. And uh, yeah, this is our newest fund for those that don't know. It's a $55 million fund investing at pre-seed and seed stage across the North and Rockies. And we now can invest uh, more money in companies. So we can invest anywhere between 500K and 1.5 million per company. And so it just gives us a lot more resources to help these entrepreneurs succeed. So we're really, really excited about it. We've welcomed some incredible investors um, on our side, investing in us that we're excited to work with and work for. And we'll back anywhere between 30 and 40 great startups over the next three years. So we're lucky we, we yeah, we get to do what we love to do uh, again. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations again. Well, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to add either about yourself, your journey, your running career, Matchstick, anything we missed? No, I, I would just encourage people to reach out to me if they want any time. I try to make myself really accessible. It's just natty at matchstickventures.com. I'm also pretty active on Twitter, Natty Z. And yeah, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're someone who likes helping entrepreneurs, if you're someone who just wants to see these ecosystems, especially Colorado grow, reach out to me and hopefully we can start to build a relationship and a network. And then I would say like my last parting advice is um, let's build the entrepreneurial community in Colorado that we want. Let's not try to be the Silicon Valley of the middle of America, or let's let's do it our own way. And I think the way that we want to do that is with the give first mindset, um, building each other up as much as we can, helping each other, uh, more focus on diversity, and just really, um, 
you know, more cooperation than competition. And I think that that is the DNA of this ecosystem. I'm really proud of it and excited about it, but let's keep doing that and, and do it our own way. Awesome. Thank you so much, Natty. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Portfolio Pitch, brought to you by The Slice Podcast and powered by Startup Blog Post. To support the show, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us at Sliced Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.